What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet, and today we are looking at another random magic card. Uh, this particular one, I just clicked on the uh, uh, on the image a minute ago, and uh, holy cow, guys, this is going to be something special. So, like always, this is unedited, unscripted, uh, everything off the dome, and we are looking at Rise of the Dark Realms. So this is a sorcery for seven generic black black with the text, put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. This is the ultimate late game reanimation. It doesn't get better than this. This is just spot on every single thing that a reanimation deck wants to do or a mill deck. That's actually the one place where this thing really, really shines. If you were at an EDH table, just Picture this for a minute. If you are at an EDH table and you are running cards like, um, what is it, Ero uh, Thought Erosion, I think it is, um, Drown Secrets, uh, Teferi's Tutelage, cards that force your opponents to mill constantly throughout the course of the game, so they're just constantly milling cards from their library into their graveyard, all of a sudden their graveyard is completely loaded, and then if you can, by the time you can hit this, which in an EDH game where if you've got the mana rocks to back it up, you're probably hitting it on turn, I don't know, six, maybe seven, like assuming that, you know, you've, you've got it. Obviously that's the biggest variance in the EDH by virtue of it being singleton, which frankly, that is what makes that format so great if you ask me. But anyway, so in that situation, like you just force everybody to fill their graveyard and who knows, maybe you actually have one reanimator on the player, another reanimator player at the table who's actively trying to stock their own graveyard. So you couple those two things together. Like if somebody hits a buried alive and then you hit a rise of the dark realm before they get an opportunity to reanimate the stuff. Oh boy, that's gross. That's super gross. And I love it. Yeah. Rise of the dark realm also would work very well in uh Thantis, actually that uh, Thantis, the war weaver that we were talking about last time that would very much fit. Uh, into that archetype because people are going to be swinging, combat's going to be happening, people are going to be dying, it's just part of the deal. And the other thing that you can do with this, just the combination of any kind of destroy board wipe, so a damnation into Rise of the Dark Realms or a Wrath of God into a Rise of the Dark Realms, oh my, the amount of mana that that takes is very impressive like you you'd have to have a lot because obviously this thing costs nine so that's the thing it's super duper expensive but in this case holy cow do you get what you pay for um and here's the best part about this thing they're reprinting this in jumpstart so this is coming back everybody if you want to get your hands on one of these if i'm not mistaken it's only been reprinted or it's only been printed in i want to say one course set. i think it was m14 um but it's going to be coming back in jumpstart so there is going to be a jumpstart booster out there where you can get your hands on a rise of the dark realms and based on some of the other stuff that's in those boosters that exact same booster might also have a reanimate and or an exhume in it that sounds pretty freaking sweet that's one of the things about jumpstart i gotta say they picked some banger reprints like some truly phenomenal reprints are in that set like ones that i never expected to see rise of the dark realms never in a million years would i have thought rise of the dark realms would be viable also or I don't think it would ever be reprinted because in EDH, it's phenomenal. In almost every other format, it's just too expensive. Um, and it's very situational is the other thing that's easy to forget about because if you ramp really hard early, you're not going to be able to get much value out of this because graveyards are, are going to be rel 
relatively empty still. So you really have to do a lot of setup in order to pay it off. But again, in EDH, in Commander, that's the one situation where there's going to be a lot of stuff in the graveyard. One way or another, it's going to get there because throughout the course of the game, graveyards get filled as part of the deal. Whether the things hit the battlefield first or not, doesn't really matter. And so if everything's on the field, you damnation board wipe, everything goes to the graveyard, then you hit a Rise of the Dark Realm. Now, every single thing that was in play is just yours. That's insane. That's truly insane. Um, yeah, and, and that's a that's a two-card combo, effectively. Like, effectively, that's, that's what that is. That's bonkers. That's, that's a two-card permanent insurrection. Yeah, it costs you, what, 11? No, 13 to pull that off. So, holy cow, that's not easy to do. But... If you're playing in, if you're playing with like devotion and you have Nykthos and um, perhaps the Nyx Lotus, that's a way that you could ramp ramp to that relatively easily. Not to mention that you're in black. So if it's a mono black situation, you could also have Cabal Coffers and Urborg. So that combination produces a pretty obscene amount of mana pretty darn fast. Um, so yeah, that's all pretty great. Yeah, so I gotta say, Rise of the Dark Realms is very impressive. Now, it is expensive. That's the other thing. Um, and not just mana cost-wise. If I'm not mistaken, this card is around 20 bucks. Like, it's a bit of a splurge because, like, it's funny. This is a very situational card that is incredibly expensive, but it is... The reason that it's expensive, like, monetarily, just MTG Finance style, um, the reason that it's expensive is because every single commander deck that is running black could benefit from this um because a good commander game unless you're playing cedh and you're really just you know gloves off going for the win super fast in a casual commander game getting to nine mana is not hard and getting a bunch of stuff in graveyards is also not hard so it's one of those where almost every commander deck that has access to black will probably would probably want this let's be honest and as a result the demand is pretty high even though it's only really viable in that one format i certainly can't think of anything in you know in modern or um it's not pioneer legal i don't believe but anyway like actually no it is it is pioneer legal there's also legacy and vintage like it's just too slow for those formats i i can't think of any way to make that viable um yeah yeah because you got to jump through some hoops and then you need to have nine mana to pull it off but uh, yeah, in EDH, where you have a lot of graveyards to pull from, mm, it's phenomenal. Like that, that had to be what they had in mind. Now, it wasn't printed in a Commander product, but it's pretty clear that this was designed to be a Commander card. That's something that I find really interesting. You see cards like this that are clearly designed with multiplayer in mind. The very first one that actually comes to mind when I think of that is a card called Blatant Thievery. And part of the reason that I think of that first is because I actually have an old Onslaught version of Blatant Thievery that I always thought was awesome, but was pretty bad for many, many years. Because before Commander became a formal format, cards that worked well in multiplayer didn't really have a home aside from just fun kitchen table jank. Now, I love kitchen table jank, and I can't tell you how many games I've had with like 6, 7, 12 people just kind of like huddled around a big old table or even just on the floor just with big dumb spells flying all over the place years before Commander would become an official format. And it was just with 60-card decks that we just slapped together because it would be fun. 
And when somebody brought a really tuned, like tribal something uh, from the onslaught block, it, it felt bad. Like it was frustrating. So like that rule zero conversation is something I'm very familiar with, even though like from over a decade ago from a time when nobody was playing commander or maybe the judges were at that point. I don't anyway. So blatant thievery is a card that says you may steal one target permanent from every player or from each opponent. And the word, the way it's worded is each opponent. You have to, you get to target something from each opponent. Now, why in the world would they print that if they don't have any official like multiplayer formats? Now there were things like two headed giant and, um, you know, there were a bunch of other formats where multiplayer was just a casual thing. But the idea of a card being printed with multiplayer in mind, I have a feeling a lot of people got really upset when they cracked that as their rare in their onslaught drafts. Uh, because in a in a sealed pool or in like a limited environment, that sucks. Like if you're if it's a one-on-one 40 card deck situation, blatant thievery is way too expensive for what you get out of it. because uh, it costs seven. Now in limited costing seven, you know, paying seven to steal one thing, eh, actually, depending on what else you have, that might still be playable, but man, it's expensive. You know, meanwhile, in a multiplayer game, if you can pay seven and steal three things, like the three best things that each opponent have, you know, was able to get in play, that feels really good. Like, that feels really good, as a matter of fact. And so that's clearly what it was designed for. Rise of the Dark Realms is clearly exactly the same way. This is not designed for one-on-one magic. This is not designed for 60-card, you know, one-on-one situations. It's just not. This is the massive haymaker finisher for EDH reanimator. This is what this is what multiplayer casual reanimator looks like. And that's actually one of the interesting things. Reanimator as a strategy is all about cheating in incredibly large things by way of your graveyard. And when you're in a competitive one-on-one scenario, so if you're in Legacy, if you're in Modern, what you want to do is you want to get the biggest, nastiest creature in the entire format, which in formats where it's legal, it's Gristle Brand. You want to get that into your graveyard and then cheat it into play through a card like Reanimate or Animate Dead that's very, very inexpensive. Because if you have Entomb and Reanimate, you can get a Gristle Brand in play for two mana out of your library. That's insane. And when I say Gristle Brand, just because that's usually plan A, you can get whatever creature you want. Like It can be absolutely anything. Because Entomb puts it into your graveyard. Reanimate and or Animate Dead can pull it out of your graveyard. You combine that with Dark Ritual, all of a sudden you're doing all of that on turn one before your opponent even gets to go. Dang, son. That's insane. So, that's freaking sweet. Like there, That is what a one-on-one Reanimator strategy looks like. Okay, so when you're in that kind of mode where the goal is to get value down fast because you have one opponent that you need to knock out of the game, that works really, really well. Now, in a commander game, can you imagine... Now, okay, Gristlebrand is banned in commander, but can you imagine if you pulled off that turn one at a table of you and four of your buddies? Just imagine, and let's say you grab like Razakath, which is another just amazing... It's an 8-8 flyer that might as well say you win the game on it. Like... Or one of the one of the Eldrazi Titans. I don't know. Whatever big, bad... Big, bad, nasty monster you shouldn't have until, like, 
turn seven or eight, all of a sudden is down on turn one before any of your opponents get to go. What's going to happen to you? Now, in that situation, yes, you have the most dominant board position on turn one. All it takes is one of your opponents having a planes and a path to exile in their hand for you to, or swords to plowshares, to have spent your entire turn doing nothing except letting everyone at the table know, hey, you should all be gunning for me immediately. So you just paid three cards out of your hand for one of your opponents to use a, a single piece of removal, and all of a sudden, you are now enemy number one for the rest of the game. Neat. So, when you're setting up a reanimator strategy, if you want to build a reanimator deck in Commander, there has to be a different angle. Like, there has to be another reason, another way to scale that strategy. You know, so why are you trying to pull things out of your graveyard instead of just playing them out of your hand like normal? In a one-on-one situation, it's to get them out faster, to get bigger things out faster. Well, if you're trying to get bigger things out faster... That, you know, you don't want to get them out quite as fast as you could in a legacy situation. Um, But at the same time, like, eh, maybe there's a time and a place for that, I suppose. But the idea of being able to reanimate everything, and then this actually feels more like the flavor of reanimation. Because in the competitive mode, the Blitz cheap reanimator, if you pull that off, you are kind of subverting the rules in a, in an interesting way, like getting around mana cost. You're cheating in fatties, basically. And it doesn't... I don't know. I don't... That doesn't feel to me like you're stitching together a creature in bringing it back to life because it came out of your library into your graveyard. It's not like it was on the battlefield to begin with. Like, you, as the player, you never saw that thing alive. Meanwhile, if you're in a commander deck or you're in a commander pod and all these creatures have been smashing into each other and all kinds of things have been going on and all kinds of craziness has been going on and as a result, a bunch of these creatures have been dying and going to the graveyard and then board wipes have been hitting and targeted removal is causing all these creatures to die and then late in the game, you as the necromancer call them all out from from the grave to fight against their former masters. That's awesome. And it fits the flavor of the necromancer bringing the dead back in a way that other reanimator strategies and magic, as much as I adore them, don't really bring you that sense of, um, that, that sense of satisfaction or that, that sense of, uh, flavor. Like the flavor is not quite there, you know, discarding a card to cheat it in with a reanimator. Yeah. That's a great strategy. It's tried and true. It's a classic. I do it all the time. Love it. Does it feel like you're reanimating, like bringing something back from the dead? Like, eh, I don't know. It just not not really. You know, stocking the graveyard from other places doesn't really have that same feel to it. Meanwhile, if the thing was on the battlefield to begin with, you get that. Rise of the Dark Realms gives you that. No, this card is, I mean, it's expensive in mana cost and financially for a reason. It is the best top-end commander reanimation spell that exists. Period. You know, you have a lot of other options out there. There are quite a few budget options, actually, as well, that will allow you to get recurring reanimation effects so you can keep something like this moving. There are a lot of great options, actually. Uh, you know, Marin of Clan Nil Toth comes to mind as a commander that can do it. Um, there are also cards like uh, Journey to Eternity, which is a Golgari aura, actually. It's one of the flip lands from Ixalan. Once it, once it flips, it becomes a land that has reanimation uh, triggered ability on it. Like Things like that can be very useful 
role in keeping keeping the reanimation moving. So in EDH, in in Commander, it's more about bringing things back after they've died and recovering from board wipes and reestablishing a board state more than getting something huge out fast. There's a time and a place for both, and there's no reason that in your commander decks you can't have ways of doing both. You know, if you're running a true reanimator strategy, having a card like Buried Alive that lets you cheat or that lets you tutor up cards from your library and put them into your graveyard, that's really valuable, you know? And so cheating stuff in that way is great because that'll because as the reanimator player, once a card is in your graveyard, it's almost as good as it being in your hand. Heck, it's better in most cases. You know, that is a card that is available to you. You know, you in your graveyard, that's in play. And special thanks to Rise of the Dark Realms, if it's in your, your opponent's graveyards, it's in play. So yeah, running this with discard effects as well as mill strategies can really go nuts. Especially if you don't telegraph that this is coming. You know, if you're running a deck that is primarily like board control, and so you're mostly just killing stuff with, you know, board wipes or targeted removal, and maybe death touch blockers, your opponents won't necessarily think much of this. Or they won't see this coming necessarily because it fits outside of your MO. However, everything you've been doing up until that point in the game synergizes with it nicely. So it can be a real devastating haymaker. This is one of those cards that when you cast it, a lot of the time, if you cast it at the right time, you get to ask your friends, okay, does anyone have a counterspell? No? Yes? No? Going once? Going twice? Nope? Okay, it resolves. Cool. You guys want to play another one? Because, <laughs> like, yeah, we can play it out if you want, but does anyone have any way? That Those are my favorite moments around the table. When somebody just asks, okay, this is what I'm about to do. Can anybody interfere with that? No? Do you want to play it out or are we good? Yeah, good game, man. Okay, cool. <laughs> and you just like, all right, and we're, we're done here? All right. That's what, yeah. It's like, hey, good work, you got it. Okay, cool, let's shuffle up and go again. Or, okay, well, it's getting late. Have a good night, everybody. You know, like, those moments are so satisfying. And to be honest, I love being the spoiler on those. If you haven't had an opportunity to do that, oh my goodness, it's the best. When your buddy's just like, all right, everybody. <clears throat> Anybody have a counter? Anybody? Anybody? Eh? Eh? And then you can you can be that, that guy who's like, you know, and it's fun too when you don't, but you have something else that can interact with what they're doing. So like, it's one of those things where like, anybody have a counter? Does it resolve? Do you want to play this out? I'd be like, yeah, go for it. No, let's play it out. I just want to see how it how how it's gonna work. And then like, all right, cool. And then so they it resolves. They pull all the creatures out. They stack everything up. And like, all right, sweet. And so now I'm gonna use this trigger with this, this, and this, and then use this over here. And you'd be like, and in response to or you know so like okay and then the first thing i'm gonna do i'm gonna tap this to do blah 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 okay cool in response to that i'm gonna go ahead and tap these seven white mana that i had sitting here and i'm gonna cast route at instant speed and wipe the whole board got anything no or better yet i'm gonna overload this cyclonic rift and now you, everybody gets to pick their cards up and so all of a sudden like yeah i know you had this plan it was gonna be awesome and it was really cool that that resolved however my bad that feels so good to be that guy when your opponent pulls off the huge play and you're just like, eh, no. <laughs> like, and just this one thing, no. Although, I say Cyclonic Rift. I don't actually own any Cyclonic Rifts, and I have no intention of getting any just because they're this, like, they are a very easy answer for a lot of situations. But at the same time, it's an answer for this situation. If your opponent gets every single permanent, like, every single creature that has ever been in play onto their side of the board all at once while you have nothing... 
that can be rough. That can be very, very rough, and it will, in most cases, win them the game. But every now and then, you got the answer. Although hitting this with, um, hitting this with like a, a uh, what is it, um, with like a mana leak or like, I'd love to hit this with a soft counter. That'd be so much fun. Anyway, I could drone out and on about this. I love reanimation strategies. They're truly delightful. Rise of the Dark Realms is like top-notch banger reanimation it's fantastic and uh and it's coming back with jumpstart at the mythic rarity which i think is really cool so i'm glad they're going to be more in rotation hopefully the price on it is going to drop a little bit so more casual players will have access to it and yeah all in all i gotta say this has been fun thank you so much for hanging out as always i have been graham also known as hamhocks 42 on the internet this podcast is available anywhere you get your fine podcasts or on youtube so no matter where you're listening to it right now if you want to mix up the medium with which you're consuming the content like if you're listening to this in your car right now and you wonder hey i wonder what that guy looks like come on out to youtube i'm waving at you right now hi all right thanks so much for hanging out everybody you can also catch me on twitch twitch.tv slash hamhocks 42 all right have a wonderful day stay safe out there i will catch you next time